0: You're listening to a sermon from Pascoe Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website pvcc.org.au Well good morning everyone, it's great to be with you this morning, great to have you here with us. Uh, It's wonderful for Gal and I to share with you. Uh, It's always a joy for me to come and share God's word with each and every one of you. So um, wonderful to be here today. Uh, finishing the book of Ruth uh, together and what can we learn from it so let's begin have you ever watched this movie actually it's interesting I heard it advertised on the uh, age Uh, sorry on light fm as I was uh, driving in here this morning it's called the song of freedom the sound of freedom sorry here it is uh, it stars this guy called uh, Tim Ballard and he was uh, at this time a special agent with uh, Homeland Security which is part of the US and his job was actually to um, arrest people who were involved in uh, trafficking uh, children, in child pornography and that kind of very, very bad stuff and now despite being you know quite successful, he prosecuted a number of uh, child predators uh, and um, uh, he was able to stop uh, children being trafficked to some extent at least, to from stop them from being exploited. Um, but Tim's heart was really broken uh, and this was brought uh, uh, home to him uh, because he just wasn't able to help the children that he wanted to help. And so he came to a really big critical decision point in his life. Uh, Does he continue uh, working with uh, Homeland Security? And he was quite good at it, actually. Or does he take a big step and uh, go out and uh, rescue trafficked children himself? Does he, you know, stay in this safe, comfortable zone? Or does he make a really costly decision uh, that can... Have a, a greater impact, you know, on the work that he was doing. It could save more children. Well, you guessed what he does. Obviously, otherwise it wouldn't be a movie, would there? Tim uh, resigns from Homeland Security, says goodbye to his wife and his children, and he goes off to Colombia. And at the end of the movie, it says that by the time Tim left Colombia, he and his team had rescued of something like 120 children and arrested more than a dozen traffickers. Uh, So what he did, you know, was really brave. It was courageous, really, and very costly to him as well. But it definitely changed the lives of those children that he rescued. Well, you know, today's passage, in today's passage, we also hear this story of a very courageous young man called Boaz, don't we? And this man, he changed the lives certainly of Naomi and of Ruth and I think more than that as well because he changed the lives of the generations that came after him. We are here today in Ruth chapter 4. But just to remind us of what's happened up to date. Naomi and her family, they left Bethlehem and they went to the land of Moab. There, um, her sons married Moabite women, uh, Ruth and Ophah, and um, all the men then died, which was very unfortunate, leaving Naomi and leaving Ruth and leaving Ophah alone. By themselves, and uh, Naomi then decides she's going to go back to her own country, to to Israel, and uh, Ophar she decides to stay behind with her own people, but Ruth decides to go to Bethlehem with Naomi, and then by God's hand, uh, Ruth meets Boaz. Uh, Boaz decides to redeem, to to marry Ruth, and that gets us to the end of chapter three. And we're right here at chapter four. And right you know in this chapter, as uh, as Hernando read it to us, actually there's a big theme of redemption in this chapter. It's really strong actually. The word redemption means to rescue someone at a significant cost to yourself. It means that we that you're willing to pay a price to set someone else free to really change their life and that's what boaz does here for ruth and for naomi but there isn't just one redeemer in this story there's actually four redeemers there's a reluctant redeemer there's a righteous redeemer there is a remarkable redeemer and then we're going to finish off with the real redeemer So uh, let's unpack this story. Let's understand uh, for ourselves all that it means for us today as well. Let me pray. Uh, Lord, uh, speak to us through your word that we may know you more, that we may understand and that we may apply it to our own lives as well. We just commit this time together now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, let's look at the reluctant Redeemer. In chapter 2, Naomi said that Boaz was one of our Redeemers. So there's at least one other Redeemer ahead of him. And in the Old Testament, God gives... Uh, his people this this law. And this law is all about the redemption of property so that the property would always remain in the hands of uh, the families uh, that originally had it. It comes from Leviticus and it says this. And in all the country you possess, you shall allow a redemption of the land. If your brother becomes poor and sells part of his property, then his nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what his brother has sold. Now, Naomi still had some land left that belonged to her husband Elimelech. So, uh, the nearest kin, that is the Redeemer, that's the nearest uh, person in relation to them, is able to buy that land from her and that way she's going to get some money so that she can live. So, if Boaz asks this person, the kin, the nearest Redeemer, to redeem the land, Uh, and at first, this guy agrees. But in Deuteronomy chapter 25, God also talks about widows and and how um, if they don't have any children, and they're still at childbearing age, then uh, her dead husband's brother or the nearest kin is required to marry her, to have children so that they can have a son, and then that son would carry on the name of the dead husband. And that way, that child would then inherit and continue uh, the line. And uh, Boaz points out to this Redeemer, the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you will also require Ruth the Mobite, the widow of the dead in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. And hearing this, of course, the Redeemer says, No way, man. <laughs> I ain't doing this. And he gives a reason for it. He says, I can't redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I can't redeem it. So this uh, reluctant redeemer, he's got a reason why he can't do it. And it's all about economics. It's all about money. If he marries Ruth, then he's going to be financially obliged to look after her, to look after any children that she will have, to look after Naomi. And of course, all of his assets will then go to Ruth's child, who will carry the name of uh, Malon, uh, Ruth's dead husband. So the financial sacrifice for him was just too much for him to bear. So he refuses uh, to redeem Ruth. He refuses to redeem the land. Instead, he says to Boaz, mate, you go. You take that responsibility instead of me. So then we get to our second redeemer, the righteous redeemer. Now I could have called Boaz maybe the resolute redeemer instead of the righteous redeemer because once Ruth showed uh, that she was eager to marry him, Boaz resolved to redeem. He made that decision. Yes, I'm going to do it. But I'd like to call him the righteous redeemer for three main reasons. First of all, because you know, we've seen Boaz, seen the type of guy that he is. You know, he's a really godly man. He's very kind as a boss to, to the people who work for him. He's good for the poor people as well. He's, he's quite a giving guy. And although Ruth is obviously an attractive woman, uh, he acts in a totally appropriate way with her. doesn't take advantage of her in any way at all. In fact, when uh, Ruth woke him up you know, in the middle of the night and, and asked him basically to marry her, um, you know, any man could have easily been tempted to say yes and, and perhaps to sleep with her straight away. But instead, Boaz, he praises her, he appreciates her and he sends her home with a promise to marry her but to do it in the right way. Secondly, with Boaz... As we see in today's passage, Boaz redeems both Naomi and Ruth, despite the cost to himself. He's uh, known, uh, you know, I mean, if he marries her, he's going to be known as the husband of a Moabite woman. Uh, His children are not going to be uh, pure blood Israelites. Uh, Ruth's children will carry not his name, but the first husband's name, Maon, um, instead of his name all of his riches, and this guy seemed to be a pretty wealthy person because he owned quite a bit of land, didn't he? All that he owns will now belong to Ruth as well and to the children from her. He doesn't have to do this. He could have said, Nah, you're the first Redeemer. Your responsibility, not mine. But Boaz, you know, he lovingly, obeys God's law of redemption, doesn't he? He shows his commitment to God, he shows his commitment to his own people, so that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You see, Boaz does what is right, what God wrote in his law. Well, he's a righteous redeemer, thirdly, because Because of just that, he obeys God, isn't he? He carries out the full intention of the law to redeem the land and to marry Ruth. He, you know, his approach was very different from the other Redeemer. He doesn't just um, uh, think about himself, but rather wanting to do. What God has said in his word. He approaches the other Redeemer, he tells him, you know, what he wants to do, uh, but he doesn't jump the gun here. He he involves the elders, he involves the people of the town, he makes sure that the elders and all of the people that they witness this legal agreement, this transfer of um, land. Um, and that way he gets the whole community's approval as well. And you see what happens here, you know, without Boaz, Naomi and Ruth they would just probably die as poor widows. Without Boaz, the name of Elimelech would have been cut off from his land. Without Boaz, there's no redemption at all. That's why he is really the righteous redeemer. The third redeemer I'll call the remarkable redeemer. Remarkable meaning um, a bit special, you know, an unusual redeemer, so a bit surprising perhaps. And I think, you know, really worth mentioning. And of course, I'm talking about Ruth herself. After all, when uh, Naomi decided to uh, go back to her own country, to go back to Bethlehem, Ruth could have just stayed there in, in Moab, in her own country. But she said, Don't urge me to leave you or to return. From following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death. Parts me from you. Wow, what words, hey? I think uh, a husband uh, (laughs) would be um, more than apt to have been able to say those words on the day he marries his wife, wouldn't he? But you know, Ruth could have said, hey, fair enough. I'm just going to stay here in Moab, you know, with my own family. I mean, if I stay here, it's more likely that I'm going to be able to, you know, find a husband and and get married again. But instead, Ruth decides to follow Naomi. And as a childless Moab widow, uh, she's really setting herself up for poverty and suffering for the rest of her life, isn't she? But she goes anyway. Because she loves Naomi, and it would seem that she loves Naomi's God as well. She has really come to love God for herself. Without Ruth, there's no hope for Naomi at all. Because um, Naomi can't be children herself anymore. She's too old for that. She'd just be, you know, a childless... um, husbandless woman who would uh, uh, just um, stay that way until the day she dies. Now from the Bible, we've got no idea actually about whether Boaz was already married or not. It doesn't tell us here at all. But according to some old uh, Jewish uh, rabbinic uh, commentary called Midrash, uh, Boaz had been married before, but his wife and children, all of them, had died. So he was on his own. If that's true, then God also really used Ruth to redeem Boaz's situation as well. Because Ruth risks her own life, risks her own dignity really, when she uh, wakes uh, Boaz up in the middle of the night. I mean, he could have said no to her. He could have taken advantage of her. Anything could have happened to a a young woman in that situation. But because of the risk that she took here, her family line, and that of uh, Boaz as well, is going to continue on. You see this because after Ruth has a son with Boaz, The women there, they say to Naomi, For your daughter in law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons. Now, of course, uh, this was a time when sons were preferred to daughters because the sons would continue the family line. And seven is the perfect number. And so, seven sons means a perfect family because of what Ruth has done here this uh, childless Moabite uh, daughter-in-law she has become the perfect family for Naomi isn't that wonderful you know because of ruth Naomi's life is now going to be a good life her dignity has been restored her place amongst her people the israelites uh, has been restored as well God very much uses Ruth here, doesn't she, to redeem both of them in this situation. She really is a remarkable redeemer. However, there's still one more redeemer to talk about. And I think this is the most important redeemer in this story. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said... May you act worthily in Ephraimah and be renowned in Bethlehem and may your house be like the house of Perez whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. You see, Boaz's house will be great not because of him Not because of Ruth, but rather because of the offspring that God is going to give to them. That's what the men of of the town said to Boaz. And this is what the women said to Naomi. They said, blessed be the God, the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. The real Redeemer. Uh, The one whose name will be renowned in Israel. The one who will be the restorer of life. It's not Boaz. The him in this story is his offspring. And who is his offspring? Well, the end of the book tells us. At least it gives us a big clue to it as well. It says there that the women of the neighbourhood gave him a name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. We don't know much about Obed. He's not mentioned uh, terribly much at all in the Bible. He's only mentioned very briefly. And, And Jesse, the same thing as well. But we know who David is. And God promised King David that there would be a promised king who would come from his line, who would establish God's kingdom forever. And now, of course, post the cross. We know who that king is. This offspring that was spoken about in Ruth is none other than Jesus himself. So, unlike the reluctant redeemer that we saw earlier who uh, refused the responsibility they had to redeem uh, Naomi and Ruth, Jesus is the one who, who bears on his own shoulders the full cost of of our redemption, of your redemption, of my redemption. You know, he doesn't have to do that. But, you know, he loves you and me so much that he doesn't leave us without a redeemer. The ones who need a redeemer most. The nearest redeemer he refused because... You know, he didn't want to impair his own inheritance. But Jesus redeems us so that we can inherit God's kingdom and become co-heirs with him, with Christ. You know, like Boaz, who's willing to bear the cost of redeeming uh, Ruth uh, and Naomi, um, because of this, he's willing to Use his own riches to share his own riches, and you know so it is with us through Jesus. It says in Second Corinthians chapter eight: "For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by um, by his poverty, might become rich." You know, like Ruth who leaves her, her home country and goes into a life of poverty and suffering to, in order to follow God herself. Jesus, uh, he really leaves his heavenly throne in heaven, doesn't he? And comes into a life of poverty and, and, and suffering here on the earth in order to obey God the Father. Because he loves us, he loves his people, And he wants to do the Father's will and complete the Father's mission. Because of what Jesus has done in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, he becomes our ultimate redeemer. The one who restores our life now and forevermore as well. So let's look, you know, what have we learnt from this passage Wow, what a great guy Boaz is, isn't he? I mean, I would like to be as generous and as loving as Boaz is. And we can also say, wow, what a woman Ruth is. You know, I would love to be like Ruth, the way that she followed God, the way that she loved her mother-in-law. Wouldn't you love your, want to love your mother-in-law like she does? To be used by God to change the life of people around her, change the life of Ruth. Uh, Sorry, Ruth changed the life of Naomi, changed the life of Boaz. Changed our lives too, down through the generations. But you know, no matter how good our intentions are, often the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, isn't it? You know, things turned out really good for Boaz and for Ruth and for Naomi. But, you know, what if What if in all of your time, in all of your efforts of following God, like Ruth did, life doesn't get better always, does it? Sometimes it gets worse. It gets difficult. It's not always easy following Jesus. That's why this book... It really points us to Christ. You know, if you are a follower of Christ, we always have to look to Jesus. We always have to look to him as our ultimate redeemer. Only when we look to Jesus, who sacrificed everything for us, can we be really generous to other people. Only when we look to Jesus, the one who's you know, secured the future for us? Can we really sacrifice ourselves for other people? And only when we look to Jesus, who loved us sacrificially, can we really love other people in the way that we should? Can we love other people unconditionally? And you know, if you are not a Christian, the story of Ruth is really the story of the redemption of a person who was once the enemy of God, the Moab people. But now she has come into the family of God. Someone that you might uh, look at, you know, sometimes we might look at Christians and think they're not great examples. (laughs) Because, you know, like Naomi uh, we Christians, we're not always good at following Jesus. Sometimes we, we get too bitter. Sometimes we, we don't show the joy that we should. Sometimes we just petty about little unimportant things. But you know, like Ruth, don't look at Christians. Instead, look at God, look at Jesus. You know, he loves you so very much. So much that he died on the cross for you, for your sins. Jesus has forgiven each and every one of us. And you know, when we believe in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. No matter matter what we have done. And we are now a child of God. God organises everything in the book of Ruth so that, you know, his plan of redemption will happen his way. I mean, you know, there was the famine, first of all, that that took Ruth and her family, sorry, Naomi and her family, uh, out of Bethlehem. And then there was, when they came back, they had the barley harvest was happening straight away. And then the way that Ruth uh, meets up with Boaz and then how the nearest redeemer, he's... Yeah, he bailed out of his responsibility. All of that is in God's hands. And you know, God arranges everything in our life too. Man, the fact that you're here this morning uh, listening to, to this message, yeah, that's no accident. You know, God is speaking into your heart and life. God wants you to hear this message, He wants you to believe in His Son and to follow Jesus. And maybe like Ruth, you know, you grew up, maybe you didn't grow up knowing God. Or maybe, maybe you just ignored him. But when you give your life to Jesus and you put your faith in him, like Ruth, you know, God welcomes us into his family. You know, Ruth really believed in God. And she became the heir Of God's wonderful promise to her. And so many generations of people after Ruth have been blessed because of what Ruth did. All the way down, you know, to you and me today. You know, when you believe in Jesus, you're going to become an heir of God's promise. You're going to become one of the generations of Uh, of Ruth and you know when we believe in Jesus that's going to have an impact on the generations that come after us as well let's pray Father God we we're here this morning because of you you know us and you love us We thank you for uh, the example of Ruth and uh, Boaz. We thank you, Lord, for the way uh, that Boaz uh, redeemed Ruth as an example of the way that Jesus Christ has redeemed us. And we give you thanks for that. We commit ourselves, Lord, to, to know Christ, to follow Christ, And to be like Jesus too. Help us this day to know Jesus more in our heart, in our life, and to show Jesus to others as well. So we just commit ourselves to you this morning, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.